Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. I hope and trust that you are all well. Before I get started, I would like to give a very special shout-out to the Reform members of Back to Ashes. Through scrutiny, Samantha Place, Lisa Ratford, Tina Mead, Stephanie McLaren, Corpse Lover, Mana Ash, Normie D.W., Chrissy Elias, Cindy Cleveland, and Patty's niece. If you would like to become a member of Back to Ashes, that information can be found down below. Also, thank each and every one of you that has donated to my GoFundMe. I am still hunting for a place to move, and my GoFundMe is still accepting donations if you can. That information can be found below as well. With all of that being said, it is time to go back to ashes. For once we arise from the ashes, we are a bigger, brighter, stronger, and happier person in the morning. Sit back, relax, kick back, grab a snack, or tuck in and get warm, and prepare for this dose of vocal melatonin entitled More True Ghost Stories. Right after this intro, an ad will play. I'll read the first story and ad will play. After that, there will be no more ads within this video. Quick side note, in the middle of these true stories, I will be also reading true haunted forest stories. Let's get started, shall we? My brother had this vivid memory of when he was about two years old. He was climbing up the stairs at what was my grandparents' house at the time and seeing two sets of clothes floating at the top, as in there were people wearing them who were invisible or something like that. It was as if they were waiting at the top of the stairs, watching him. One of them sort of moved its arm and sent my brother tumbling down the stairs. I sort of remember hearing him cry after falling. He always used to sort of dismiss this as a weird childhood false memory distorted by time and him being too, despite it being so weird and vivid. Occasionally, he did wonder if those were ghosts. Years later, when we were in high school, our dad picked us and a friend up from a gig and we were drunk. My brother was telling our friend the above story that I mentioned and I could see my dad slowly nodding. The next day, my dad walks into my brother's room and says, Those weren't ghosts. Those were demons. I would know because I also see them too. The first eight years of my life, my siblings and I were raised by my grandparents in Hopkinton, Massachusetts, where the marathon begins. They lived in a very old historical house built in the early 1800s. It was said that Lincoln's former maids were the first to occupy, and records show that in the early 1900s, a woman had died during a fire in the attic. I absolutely loved growing up in that house but my nana hung all of the old photos of the maids throughout the house, and they looked quite spooky. 
One night, when I was five, I was sharing the king-size guest bed with one of my brothers when I saw a white figure wearing a long dress and a bonnet appear in the entranceway across and to the right of the bed. I said, Papa, thinking it was my first grandfather whom had died before I was born. The figure moved slowly over to the bed and folded over the blankets and sheets as one might do when stripping a bed, exposing my torso to the cold draft. I instantly froze and looked over at my brother who was still asleep. I watched the ghost exit through the door and closed my eyes, absolutely batshit scared. I had a really intense flashback of visiting Florida when I was two, but cognitive memory does not really allow memories to stick from this age. In the morning, I told my Nana, and she laughed, stating I was just being silly. I was super upset because I knew what I experienced was real. Years later, at Thanksgiving, I overheard my grandmother telling one of my cousin's boyfriends that the house was indeed haunted, and the photo of the maid who died always fell off the wall when she would hang it up in any room other than the kitchen. She also saw laundry being folded mid-air in that same guest room twice. So, I say this because I've had numerous experiences where I have been physically reminded that there are things I don't understand in this world and to pay heed to the powers they have. My first experience I have already written about when I was working in a haunted hospital. I was taking pictures in the 12th floor attic area when I got the sensation I should not be doing this. As I walked down the stairs, a little voice in the back of my head told me to be careful. Later that day, I was pulling a big laundry cart through a doorway when, somehow, my little finger got caught between it and the doorframe. I had to wear a splint for a few weeks. I apologized to whatever was up there and took care not to record videos or take pictures. A second time was a little more my fault and I did pay for it dearly. Nothing serious, just really unlucky that day. I was feeling like something was messing with me, and I told it to not be a little bitch. It then continued to throw things and knock things off my table as I worked that day. I realized what I had said and apologized to it again. The third time wasn't intentional on my part. I was having a rough day because the previous shift dropped the ball on the job. I made a comment to myself about whatever was there was messing with them. It didn't take too kindly to that. I went down to the break room to check something on the computer, and as I was going to sit down, it felt like the chair was just rolled out from under me, just enough for me to slip and fall on my ass. I was okay, quickly righted myself and muttered that I wasn't being serious, but once again, said I was sorry. So... Take heed from this story when you think you're in a paranormal location or something is trying to get your attention. Be respectful, be open-minded, and be extremely careful. This is going to be a sort of weird story, rather vague and semi-poetic. I don't know any other way to put this experience into words. 
My mother taught me about demons and hostile spirits when I was a young child, initially the context of how to keep myself safe from them. When I was a little older, I used to assist in performing exorcisms in a traditional Hindu context. Of course, in my early teen years, I began to feel excited about confronting demons and defeating them, etc. It seemed cool and thrilling. My mom was responsible and adomished me not to go looking for spiritual trouble. We only engaged in such things for family members and friends and only when they came to us asking for help. Even then, we only went so far, but as a teenager, I got cocky and reckless, and I pushed it. The scariest demon or spirit encounter I've had resulted from this. I was definitely at least 13 years old and not much older, I think 14 at the oldest. I had been engaging in spiritual hostilities against demonic spirits and had been sloppy with safeguards. The resulting encounter came in a dream. I was having a normal mundane dream, when suddenly an alien presence tore into it like a flood of black water bursting through the screen of a movie theater in the middle of the show. There was no slow, subtle, creeping buildup, or if there was, I missed it. It was sudden and all at once, like a tornado tearing through the walls out of nowhere. A dark hand, not a literal hand, but a psychic appendage that I metaphorically call a hand for lack of a better term, tore into my dream and seized me, and I was instantly overwhelmed with panic. It felt like a stranger grabbing you out of a pleasant crowd and throwing you in the back of a windowless van before you have time to cry out or react in any way. I was pulled down, 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 dizzyingly fast, far from my familiar and comfortable field of consciousness from what felt like in my mind, and plunged into deep blackness, wrapped in a cruel malice that gripped me like a vice, and felt palpably like an alien mind that had invaded or violated my own. I would have screamed, but I had no voice, flailed in panic, but I had no body. Then that long, long arm finally brought me to him. All I saw in the darkness were his eyes, a dark, dull red like ugly old scabs, barely lighter than the surrounding black. Those eyes stabbed me. They burned me. Nothing else moved. Nothing else touched me. I was held helpless in place before those eyes, and they just glared at me with such potent hate and malice that it hurt in a way that's way too hard to describe. It seemed to throb like a pulse, but it was less like the hate and malice ever abated or more like its sheer intensity somewhat numbed my ability to feel it, and I reeled in sick horribleness and then recovered enough to feel it again and again and again. It felt like violation. I wanted to throw up, but again, I had no body. I wanted to close my eyes, but I didn't have any eyes. Turn my head away, but I had no head. There were just those eyes hating me so violently that I... I don't really know a word for what it caused in me other than intense suffering. It's hard to put a sense of time on this experience, but after some period of time, it certainly didn't feel short. I remembered my divine protectors. My training kicked in. 
I called on one of them, like a hurt, panicking baby for a parent. I don't think I've ever called out with such need as in that moment. And protection came at once. A mighty column of light speared through the darkness, and I wanted to start crying in relief, if I had eyes. The exact following movements were too confusing to describe clearly. Rolling, bubbling smoke like oil and water being buffeted and cleared back by a sudden strong current in the water, perhaps. The dark grasp that clutched me weakening, not like the muscles of a hand slackening, but more like a cloud fading and coming apart and letting in daylight bit by bit. It happened fast, though. Soon the light held me instead of the darkness, and I was whisked away, up, 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 and I just mentally clung to him, again like a scared baby to his father. I woke up crying, tears in my eyes, shuddering breaths, my whole body still shaking. I got out of my bed feeling like I'd just been sick. It was the middle of the night. I didn't go wake anyone up. I couldn't bear to lie back down or close my eyes, though. I walked around, drank some water, processed everything, breathed, meditated, thanked my protector, and thought through what had just happened. I was okay. I definitely learned my lesson, though. I've never been so careless again. I've had a few other negative spirit encounters, both before and after this, but this was the scariest by far. About a year ago, my husband had to go on a business trip and was out for one night. He would be coming back the next morning at about 6 a.m. We have two sons who were six and eight years old by then. I put them to sleep as usual and I also went to bed at about 11 p.m. I could barely sleep all night and kept waking up every hour or so. I kept thinking that my front door should be properly closed. So maybe at 3 a.m. I stood up from the bed and checked it. Both locks and the deadbolt were shut. So I went back to bed. Shortly after, both my kids woke up and went to sleep in my bed. After a while, it finally begun getting light and I heard the doorbell. I thought that my husband had arrived, so I stood up from the bed and my children followed me. I reached the door, but something told me, Do not open. Both my children reached up to open it, thinking it was their father, but I held them back and looked through the security peephole, and I saw an unknown man standing with his back facing our door. Slowly, he turned to face the door, and I saw him quite clearly, a tall, slim man with slick, jet-black hair and no face. He banged the door with his fists, and I held it with all my might while checking the bolts again which were closed. I looked again through the peephole while praying, and the man made an obscene gesture at me and left. I took both my children back to my room, and then I woke up. It was still dark and about 5 a.m. It was almost one hour before dawn. My kids were fast asleep besides me. It felt so real that I was confused and scared. I just stayed there with them until dawn really came, along with my husband. 
Since all that happened, I double-check our door every night. This is something that happened to both me and my mother many years ago. Mom and I had just moved back to our house after renting it for two years after her divorce. It started sinisterly, almost quietly. For a few weeks, although the whole house was carpeted, when we were on the floor, we would hear walking on another. Our doors didn't squeak or make noise yet. We would hear doors opening and closing. There was a couple of times when one of us would come home and a TV would be on. Of course, Mom always blamed me. Then, things started showing up in places that they shouldn't have been, and some things just were missing for a while. Like the TV remote for the living room would be in the bathroom, or shoes would be missing for a few days, then show up in the laundry room or in the laundry. These were things that at that time we blamed our own carelessness on, or tried to find logical explanation for. I'm sure we all know where this is going. My bedroom and mom's were side by side, with the bathroom just outside of mom's room, and a third bedroom on the third floor that her ex used and we now use for storage and close the door. The stairs to that bedroom were just outside the bathroom. One night, I was washing my face and brushing my teeth, and when I finished, I walked out of the bathroom and saw that the door to the third bedroom was open. Hey, Ma, were you just upstairs? No, you? Now we were feeling a little spooked. So, with a bat, a rifle, and flashlights, we crept upstairs. Nothing was there, and we weren't sure if anything was moved, because there was some of our furniture on one side, just out of storage, and boxes on the other side of the room. Everything looked fine, so we exited the room, closed and locked the door. Over the next few weeks, if I was home alone, and I noticed the door was opened again, I would just get in my car and leave, or go outside and wait for my mom to come home. Funny how even in my 20s I still needed my mommy. Mom and I started to have nightmares that grew in intensity to the point that we would shuffle into the kitchen in the middle of the night, one after the other, sometimes together, and just hang out for a while. We were sleep deprived very shortly. Then we started to hear voices. Mom would come into my room annoyed and sat. What do you want? I didn't call out to her. Sometimes I would go into her room and ask what she needed, and she would say that she didn't call me. Mom's bed faced the open door, and we always left our bedroom doors open from years of having pets, although at this time we didn't have any. I exited the bathroom and was walking past her open door when I felt something touch me, and I jumped. It felt like a cold hand gripping my shoulder. Mom saw this as she was sitting up in bed, reading, and then we both heard a very faint laugh. Okay, Mom was pissed. She leapt out of bed and was by my side so fast that I didn't see her move. In a loud, strong voice, she shouted, Get away from my baby and get the hell out of my house! I guess we were all our mother's babies, no matter what our age. Funny interjection. 
My mom would introduce me as her baby when I was in my 40s. For a few nights, things were sort of quiet. We were still having nightmares and sometimes things were getting moved, but nothing attacked and there were no more voices. Then we had a terrifying night of being poked and pushed, and also hearing raspy breathing. The next day, I was so tired that I could barely function, but my mom insisted that I go to work. I did, but an hour late. As I was leaving my grandmother, a couple of her sisters and a pair of elderly ladies from the old neighborhood pulled up in a pristine but 20-year-old car. Hmm. Interesting. They piled out of the car carrying paper shopping bags. My nana stopped me and the group circled around and started speaking in Italian. I had forgotten a lot of Italian from my childhood, but I recognized some words as blessings. They splashed me with fragrant water and told me to leave. My nana told me to not speak of this verbally and try not to think about it either, lest it be encouraged to return. No one ever told me what went on while I was gone, and I was told not to ask. That killed me as I was so curious, but I knew they knew best. But when I came home, everything felt different, cleaner, brighter, and happier. I really wish they had taught me more, but I felt protected ever since. Apparently, we have good reason to be terrified by horror films like Paranormal Activity. While we always assumed such films feature made-up families and plot lines that can never occur in real life, the Fry family has us questioning everything we thought we knew. Tracy and Kieran Fry of New Tredegar, South Wales, claim to be terrorized by an evil poltergeist every night. Tracy, 46, says that the phantom beats her up every night, leaving her covered with bruises. Kieran, 32, hired a specialist to cleanse the house. He also brought a vicar to bless the house in an attempt to get rid of the curse. The phantom also supposedly haunts the couple's three children. Kieran took a photo of the ghost in his son's bedroom. He describes the ghost as a small child clad in white with a blue face and tail. The family reportedly summoned the demon using a friend's Ouija board in the house. In an interview with Mirror, Kieran was adamant that he does not beat his wife. He said, We are being molested by demons. My wife goes to bed fine, doesn't feel anything in the night, but when she wakes up, she's in agony. I wake up the next day and said, I didn't do that. I would never beat my wife. The supposed molestation had been occurring since last Halloween. The ghost apparently said, I'm going to slit your parents' throats to the couple's children. The interaction was enough to prompt Kieran to call a paranormal expert. Tracy said, We were told by the paranormal investigator that we have an incubus demon, the worst type of demon you can get. He told us we have three demons in total, and the other two helped the main demon pin me down. Thanks to these demons, the couple has more to argue about than household chores and television volume. Tracy said, 
It has affected our marriage because we have been rowing and fighting all the time about this demon. It has been feeding off all the negative energy. Ghostbuster Robert Amor, 43, charged the couple 100 pounds to cleanse the house. He claims to have slain two small demons. The third is still reportedly haunting the family. Church of Wales Vicar Jonathan Whitus also arrived at the house to help the desperate couple. He said a prayer in hopes of alleviating the family's suffering. Do you believe this family is being haunted by demons? If not, how did Tracy get those bruises? It was a late Sunday evening, about 9 p.m. I was in my room just playing video games like usual until I heard the shower turn on. The bathroom was right beside my room and the door requires some slamming to be shut properly. I didn't hear the door being slammed but disregarded it as my own lack of attention to it, I guess, since I was fully immersed in my video game. About an hour later, my game was finished, but I noticed that the shower was still on for some reason. Now, I for one take long showers too, usually around 40 minutes or so, but no one else in the family usually takes that long. So I asked my dad if my aunt was home, because my parents and brother were all downstairs in the living room. No one else could have been in there besides my aunt. However, my dad said that my aunt hasn't come home yet. I told my dad that someone was in the bathroom taking a shower. We went to check, and the lights were still on, but the shower was now off. We knock on the door. Once. Twice. No answer. He opens the door, and there's no one there. Not a single soul. My dad thought I was just pranking him but I told him that I wasn't. He still doesn't believe me. Who was in there? How did the shower turn on? Why were the lights still on with a closed door? I'll never know the answers to these questions. To make it even creepier, I dreamt about a dark figure with glowing eyes standing at the top of the staircase that is on the same floor as the bathroom. And the room beside mine always has a slight cool breeze circulating in there. And now, dear listeners, I'm going to take a break from the stories and read you these true haunted forest stories. I will read them straight through and put no breaks in between. Here we go. Elfin Forest, California. The community of Elfin Forest sounds like it belongs in the world of Tolkien, even though it lies just southwest Escondido in San Diego County. How fitting, then, that it is crawling with tall tales, myths, and stories of hundreds of spirits and goblins. Legend has it that Romani people used to occupy Elfin Forest in the early 19th century until nearby townsfolk drove them out and slaughtered those that remained behind. Supposedly, they exacted revenge by cursing the forest and its surrounding lands. Today, people have claimed to see all kinds of eerie apparitions. 
like a floating woman dressed in white, a cloaked spirit riding a black stallion, and mysterious footprints. Highgate Cemetery, London, UK. This lush and leafy northern London garden, fictionalized in Bram Stoker's Dracula as Kingstead Churchyard, has a pleasantly eccentric roll call of notable graves, including those of Karl Marx and Douglas Adams. And while it remains one of London's least visited landmarks, those who do enter its gates come seeking ghostly encounters as much as celebrity headstones. The site was established in the mid-1800s and became neglected and undetended by the end of World War II, the overgrown vegetation and crumbling monuments only upping the fear factor. Then, in the 1970s, after appearing as a filming location in several horror movies, Highgate reached a surge in popularity, namely among self-proclaimed vampire hunters. Many visitors claim to see a creature hovering over the graves, a vampire, presumably, and stories of grave robbing began appearing in the news. The so-called vampire hunters would open tombs to drive wooden stakes into the corpses' chests, or steal the corpses and relocate them to random places, including the car of one of the cemetery's neighbors. To this day, Highgate remains a go-to spot for enthusiasts of all things fanged and occult. The Island of Dolls, Xochimilco, Mexico Despite its status as a World Heritage Site, along with the Mexico City, it's a well-preserved example of Aztec life. Xochimilco had reached a certain amount of internet fame for its Isla de las Munecas, or the Island of the Dolls, Hidden among the area's many canals, the site is famous for the hundreds of dolls and doll parts hanging from trees and scattered among the grass. The Chinempa, akin to an artificial island, used to be the residence of a now-deceased man named Julian Santa Berria. After finding a dead girl's body in a nearby canal, Berria collected and displayed the toys in the hopes of warding off evil spirits reports National Geographic. Today, the island is believed to be haunted by the ghost of the drowned girl, and local legend even states that the dolls have been heard whispering to each other, moving their heads and arms and opening their eyes. Pine Barrens, New Jersey The heavily forested Pine Barrens spans over one million acres and seven counties in New Jersey. The area thrived during the colonial era, host to sawmills, paper mills, and other industries. People eventually abandoned the mills and surrounding villages when coal was discovered to the west in Pennsylvania, leaving behind ghost towns and, some say, a few supernatural wanderers. The most popular Pine Barrens residence is, without a doubt, the Jersey Devil. According to legend, the creature was born in 1735 to Deborah Leeds, her 13th child, with leathery wings, a goat's head, and hooves. It flew up to Leeds' chimney and into the barrens, and it had been killing livestock and creeping out South Jersey residents ever since. Yosemite National Park, California Yosemite National Park is beloved for its epic waterfalls and giant sequoia groves, but there are areas of the park that might give you a different kind of goosebumps. 
For example, some visitors who have hiked the Childenwana Falls trailhead reported hearing the distant sound of someone crying. Native American folklore attributes the cries to a boy who drowned in the nearby Grouse Lake. His spirit calls out for help, but any hikers who venture into the lake will get pulled under and drown. Another Native American legend claims that some of the waterfalls in the park are haunted by an evil wind that draws people to the edge of the falls and then blows them off the cliff. Cameron Park, Texas Waco's Cameron Park has several spots that are reported to be paranormal hot zones, including Jacob's Ladder, a treacherous set of stairs haunted by a grabbing ghost who tug on climbers' clothes to pull them down. But perhaps the most well-known site is the Witch's Castle, a name given to crumbling ruins found deep in the park. According to one story surrounding the castle, and trust me, there are many, the ruins are the former house of a woman suspected of witchcraft in the late 1800s. Waco residents blame the woman after people began disappearing into the surrounding woods. So they formed a mob and burned down her house while she was still inside. Some people claim to see the witch's figure wandering through Cameron Park today, even chasing down some unlucky visitors. And now, dear listeners, we will resume the true ghost stories. Flatmates put Haunted Mirror up for sale on eBay after being dogged by bad luck, financial misery, and illness since rescuing it from a dumpster. This is certainly one purchase where the buyer should beware. A couple of flatmates are hoping there will be a few brave souls left at the end as they auction a Haunted Mirror which they claim has brought them nothing but misery. Student Joseph Burt, 20, and painter... Sotidis Chadadambus, 34, acquired the antique mirror when their landlord put it in a skip outside there in Musewell Hill, London, five months ago. But ever since then, the pair claim they have been brought nothing but bad luck, misery, financial problems, and illness. Mr. Chadadambus says it has caused him to wake up screaming with stabbing pains in the night. He said, the landlord should keep it. I don't want it. Joseph, an art and design student, and his flatmate began seeing flickering shadows and glimpses of black darkness in the mirror and orbs of light in the room. Since the walnut mirror was painted metallic silver by Chadadambus two months ago, the flatmates began to suffer intense nightmares, and their problems escalated. Joseph woke up covered in red scratch marks in the middle of the night last week and both have had sleepless nights, which they blame on the antique. But if that's the bad news, the good news is the mirror only has a few scratches and is not broken. They have placed the mirror on the internet auction site eBay with a price of £100, but say it is only right that a potential buyer knows about the problems it may bring. The flatmates have had a number of bids slightly below the reserve price so far, and one prospective buyer is even eyeing up the mirror as a gift for an ex. Tadadambu said, I think someone could have been murdered in front of the mirror, and that's why it has been haunting our house. I don't think the mirror likes it since I painted it silver. I took it to an antique dealer who said it was worth a hundred pounds once, and that's why we're asking for that price. 
but we would ideally like it to go to someone who has experience of the paranormal. The item has attracted interest from all over the country, with 20,000 people having viewed the item so far. Joseph said, We've had a lot of queries from people interested in the paranormal and skeptics too. I just know we don't want it in a house anymore, and we didn't think it was fair to sell it without warning people. The mirror is described as a beautiful grand Victorian-style mirror, which had enjoyed pride of place in the pair's North London studio apartment. Joseph said, Since the mirror was put up, everything has gone wrong. A few days after we put the mirror up, both myself and my flatmate have woken in the early morning hours screaming in pain. We both have experienced what I can only describe as intense, sharp stabbing pains throughout our bodies. They would strike us both at the same time, then disappear as fast as they came. Originally, we thought somebody was performing some kind of voodoo or black magic on us, but the mirror gives us the creeps and we started seeing strange shadows in it. The pair say that the radiator below the mirror stopped working despite never having problems with central heating before and that their landline no longer works and the pipes have begun rattling in the flat. Joseph said, We both feel drained of energy all the time, but if we leave the flat, it makes us feel instantly better. Things are constantly going missing, keys, phones, etc. I went into the bathroom one morning after hearing a loud bang. I found objects strewn out across the floor and a tub of shaving foam which had been on the other side of the room, down the toilet. With my flatmate working most days, I spent a lot of time here alone in the flat. I became paranoid and had the uneasy feeling that I was constantly being watched. My anxiety levels reached an all-time high, and I was prescribed antidepressants by my doctor for the first time in my life. While I have calmed down enough to be able to tolerate being alone in the flat, I couldn't help but notice strange things happening around me. I would put things down and they would disappear. When I pass the mirror, I see flickering shadows reflecting in it. I would stand completely still and they continued, and I'd get quick glimpses of black darkness. He added, Last week I woke up at 3.30am with a pain in my lower back and bottom that felt like I had been burned. I got up and looked into the bathroom mirror to find myself covered in deep red scratches going in all directions. I have short fingernails and after checking the bed, found nothing sharp or no loose springs that would explain such a thing. I have never been particularly superstitious, but just being around this mirror gives me the creeps that makes me feel sick to my stomach. I would ideally like it to go to somebody who has experience with the paranormal or supernatural and knows what they are getting themselves in for. I want to preface this with, I spent over two years as a ghost tour guide and have tons of stories to tell from that, as well as everyday life. Here is one of those stories. My mom's side of the family has been open to the paranormal since my great-grandmother, as far as I'm aware, when she and her husband found a burial ground on the property where they built the family home. My dad's side is not open at all, to the point where he loudly and proudly exclaims that he 
won't believe until something scratches, abducts, or otherwise pokes and prods him. And as we were about five months from going on a trip to Edinburgh and going into the catacombs, he was proclaiming this at least once a day. I assume that is what drew the man. Not really sure how else to classify this thing as he appeared not long after the daily proclamations started. Now, it is important to know the layout of my rooms for this. The house has a straight hallway that ended in my door. When standing in my door, facing the hall, my then seven-year-old brother's room was directly on the left. My dad's room was about four to five feet further up the hall and to the right. It was about 2.30 to 3 a.m. when it appeared. I woke up for seemingly no reason and saw the time on my bedside clock. I don't remember the exact time, only that it was right around 3 a.m. I sat up and when sitting up, faced my open bedroom door. Standing there in the lit hallway was what I can only describe as an emaciated man. His limbs were too long, too thin, and overall just wrong. It's the only way I can think to describe it. I remember looking at him, frozen, and thinking that he looked like a jungle cat, crouched on those two long limbs. He had thin, oily black hair that only hung to about chin length. Of all those things that had me terrified about this thing, the stretched skin, predator poise, and two big presents for a thing that thin... Of all those things, nothing had my heart stopping like the smile. It was all teeth, too wide and just reinforced the wrongness of this thing. It never came into my room. It did go into my brother's room that first night. It came again to my door for the next two nights, right around the same time. It never went back into my brother's room, but it did start entering my dad's room. I remember crying myself to sleep every time it left, terrified that if I left my room, as if my open doorway was actually anything of a deterrent, it would come back or it would be able to hurt me or get in. Again, not like there was anything actually there to keep it out, but terrified teen logic is only slightly better than terrified toddler logic. Instead of hiding under a blanket, I was hiding behind an open door. I remember having my grandmother bring me a bundle of sage and trying to cleanse the house that way after the second night. When it showed up again, that night for the third time, I salted around and in the house. I don't know for sure if it was corporeal or some sort of spirit. I just know I am still terrified of it. I've been looking into the crawler, but I'm not sure if it fits. Has anyone else had any experiences with something like this? If so, how did you get rid of it? I would really like to know in case it decides to come back. As of now, I'm labeling this as an encounter, as I'm not sure if it really counts as any sort of debunking or advice. To preface this, I work for a 200-year-old church. The church campus consists of the sanctuary, the office, an empty, decrepit house where the priests used to live that was later used as a meeting space until it was condemned, 
in a cemetery, with the oldest graves being those of war of 1812 soldiers. All of the buildings have stone exteriors. A priest died in the house in the late 1800s. He was old, so nothing nefarious there. But he still haunts the place, which seems odd to me, since he was a priest and obviously believed in heaven, etc. So, why stick around? When I first started working there, I was in the office with a member of the congregation who told me that on several occasions when they left the old house and turned off all the lights, they would turn around and see lights that had switched back on inside through the windows. I believe in the paranormal and have had an experience myself, so I was intrigued. When I left the office that day by myself, I turned off all the lights. At the last light switch... I felt almost an electric buzz run through my finger. The office itself is old, so it wouldn't have surprised me if something wasn't grounded right, etc. Didn't think anything unusual about it. I went back to my desk to grab my things and lock the door, and the light switch I had turned off was on. Keep in mind, this was the same day as when I found out about the priest. I've tried asking him again to show me any sign that he's there, but he's never done anything else in the four years I've been working there, but without asking. I've seen flashes of light in a dark windowless room. I'm not sure if it was pareidolia, but I saw a man cross in front of my headlights and then disappear. He had dark hair and was wearing a white shirt. I once unlocked the deadbolt on the door to the church, and when I went to turn the knob to go inside, something turned it the opposite way in my hand. This was during lockdown, so definitely no one was inside. I ran. I've seen motion detector lights outside turn on by themselves, and when I've jumped in front of them waving my hands, they've never come on. I heard this one from my boss, who's a priest. The organist was practicing by themselves in the church when a pencil went flying across the room. My boss also told me that members have said they've seen the priest looking out of the windows of the house. The decrepit house is supposed to be torn down within the next year or two. I'm not sure how or if that will affect the priest who won't leave. Maybe he finally will. I've always had an empathic side to me, but family tried to tell me we have a special intuition. I didn't believe it until this happened. When I was about 18, my boyfriend at the time, he was 19, picked me up and said we were going to see a house he's interested in renting before grabbing lunch. His mom was the real estate agent, so she was going to meet us there. Cool, no problem. We pull up to the driveway, and I start to feel a little sick. I was totally fine before, so I figured it'd pass. As we walked up to the door, his mom must have seen us, so she came out to say hi. We all walked back inside, and they stood talking in the foyer area. Me? I went right to the master bedroom and stared at the corner between the bed and the bathroom. I felt insanely nauseous at this point. I told myself I found a bathroom because I felt sick, nothing spooky. 
My boyfriend came in and asked me what was up. All of a sudden, I started spouting that Gertrude had died in the house of a heart attack, and I feel like she's still here. He started laughing and said that I can just say I don't like the house. I told him I wasn't kidding and to go ask his mom. I stayed frozen in the bedroom while he went to ask. In hushed tones, I hear him ask. Mom responds, What? How did she know that? Yes, a woman named Gertrude died here recently. She was 87 and had a heart attack in the home. My legs gave out and I hit the floor. I didn't have the address to this place, didn't do research, didn't know the people who lived here. There was no explanation for what happened other than it was paranormal. Before I begin, I want to give a bit of context. This was about seven years ago, and my boyfriend, at the time, and I had just gotten back together after a brief separation. Jerry's brother had just gotten married and bought a house, so Jerry and I agreed to stay in the home to clean it for when they returned. Looking back, that's a little weird to me, but whatever, I was happy to help. One night, while we were staying in the home, Jerry and I were unpacking and washing dishes. Jerry wanted to celebrate the fact that we had gotten together, so he left to grab some ingredients to cook me dinner. While he was gone, I put Pandora on and kept washing dishes. The phone I had had its speaker on the back, so I left my phone on the couch face down playing music. It's important to note, my phone had about 15% battery life left. After about 15 minutes or so, the music cut off. I figured the battery had died, so I kept washing dishes. However, I couldn't ignore the eerie feeling that filled the home when there wasn't any sound. I finished washing the dishes as quickly as I could and walked over to my phone. When I turned it over, I was shocked to see that my phone hadn't died. It had 10% battery left. Pandora was still on, and the volume was still up. I sat down on the couch and began messing with it to try to get the music to play again, but nothing worked. Now, it's important to note the layout of the house. As I'm sitting on the couch, I'm facing the kitchen. The front door and dining room are to my left, and there's an archway to a hallway to my right. If you were to stand in the archway to the hall, there'd be a bathroom in front of you a bedroom with windows to your right, and a bedroom with no windows to the left. As I'm on the couch messing with my phone, I see a shadow pass by the archway super quickly, almost as quick as a blink of an eye. What do I do? What every first victim of movie serial killers do, of course. I go follow it. My brain registered the figure as a woman with a long dress and long black hair, but I couldn't see her face. I followed her down the hallway, of course, to the dark bedroom with no windows. The only thing in this room was a closet with older metal accordion doors, which were slightly open. When I stepped in the doorway of this room, I froze. I couldn't move or speak. She stood in the corner of the room opposite of me and we stood there frozen. 
It felt like I was there for an hour, but it was only seconds. Almost immediately after I walked into the room, Jerry came back. When he didn't see me in the kitchen or living room, he yelled out, Babe? When I didn't answer, he yelled again, Babe! Babe! As much as I wanted to scream back, I couldn't. All of a sudden, the accordion doors started shaking. She started screaming and coming towards me. In my head, I'm screaming and trying to do anything to get myself to move. When I'm finally sure that this is the end, I get plucked up off the ground and am popped over Jerry's shoulder. Next thing I know, he sets me down on the couch and is asking me, Why did you follow her? You know not to follow them. Why did you follow her? Jerry happened to have some sage spray. Again, now thinking back on all this, all weird. Did he know about her? After we saged and lit a few candles, the eerie feeling went away and nothing else happened. But that is something I will never forget. I've seen someone similar after that, like years after, but I wasn't with Jerry or even in that same house. So here's some important background info. My family has owned our property since around the time my mom was little, so for around 42 years now. Growing up, there was this house on our property that was locked up tight and basically falling apart inside that we unfortunately didn't have the money to demolish as of yet. Inside, there wasn't really anything of value. There was a massive wasp nest that I swear was the size of a dumpster, at least to my kid brain, and rat nests everywhere. That locked up house had been on the property before my family purchased it and for a long while afterwards. When we finally got the money to demolish it, I was around 10 or 11. My grandfather went inside a couple times to clean it out a bit to see if there was any valuables in the rat nests or stowed away elsewhere. He hadn't bothered to check before. During one of his searches, he found this old locket. It was sort of old with a unicorn and rainbow on the front of it with a digital clock inside that was busted. Little kid me loved it and asked to have it, so he let me keep it. For the few days it took for the house to be demolished, I had awful luck. My favorite action figure broke. My favorite SNES game lost all my saved data, etc., until one night after the house was finally demolished, I had a vivid nightmare that some awful shadow woman monster appeared from where the house had once been, grabbed the locket off my neck through my bedroom window, and took off in a swoosh of smoke. In the morning, I couldn't find the locket at all, and needless to say, I was extremely freaked out. I remembered it and kept looking for it for a week, a year, just a long time in general eventually deciding it was lost. That is, until I hit 23 last year. I found it. I found it upstairs in the attic, where I know I'd never been because I wasn't allowed to play in there due to splinters and it being super hot in the eaves. I swear my heart stopped and got this awful, eerie feeling from looking at it. But I also felt this tugging inside that I couldn't just leave it there. 
so I took it. My luck sucked for a solid week after I found it, but I was and still am incapable of getting rid of it. I hid it in a drawer and just didn't touch it. I'm wondering if this pendant is cursed, haunted, or just an object of unfortunate coincidence. I was talking to a friend about some old spooky stuff that happened to me living in my old family home, and I thought that I would share this story with you. It's the only crazy paranormal thing that's happened to me, with witnesses to confirm that I am not crazy. This happened back in 2008. I was a junior in high school, hanging out with an old girlfriend of mine and her friend at my house, while the rest of my family flew out to Washington to visit family the previous night. I'm over in Michigan, by the way. The night was any typical teenager hangout. We ordered Pizza Hut, played Guitar Hero and played some handmade spirit games thing with fire. I light the fire and ask the ghost a question. If the fire moves, it means yada yada yada. All dumb, profoundly normal things. For reference, we were all hanging out in the attic, which was my bedroom at the time. The staircase led right into my living room, which had a beaded door at the bottom of them. You can usually hear someone coming through them to get up but this shook all of us to our core. We were well and done playing ghost games and playing Guitar Hero, when out of nowhere during a break, a blood-curdling scream from a woman shrieked at the bottom of the stairwell. It almost sounded fake, like a corny movie scream, but loud and panicked scream to be sure. It sounded legit. We froze and heard nothing else. No beads, no footsteps, nothing. My house was old, so you often heard and felt people moving around in it, but there was nothing. I got the courage to charge the living room with a pocket knife after yelling that we are calling the cops, but to our surprise, there was nothing. The doors and windows were locked. It was the middle of a particularly nasty Michigan snowstorm and there weren't any footprints outside the house. We all ran outside and went to the end of the short driveway, looking in the window from afar for an intruder. We called the police and they came and searched the entire house for us while we all sat in my 90s Pontiac Grand Prix. After about an hour, they came back and found nobody hiding in the house. After this, I ran into the house, grabbed my essentials, Xbox 360, clothes, phone, wallet, backpack, and drove to my best friend's house. I ended up crashing at his place for three months after that. I refused to sleep in that house until my family all got home from Washington. To this day, I still have no freaking clue what that was, but it sends shivers down my spine thinking about that scream, even as an adult. Nothing else after that happened at that house, and nothing really happened before either. It was just random. I also saw my friend's dead grandma through a window on two occasions, along with some other stuff from her. And that, dear listeners, brings a close to these 
more true horror stories. If you are sleeping, I hope Slumberland is treating you comfortably. If you're awake, I hope you've enjoyed this collection. Until next time, please take care of yourselves. I'll read to you soon. Have yourself a good morning, a good afternoon, or a good evening. Peace, love, and light to you all.